are listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. Do you need nitrogen, but it's all locked up in the atmosphere? Then diazotrophic bacteria will fix your problem. The sponsor of this episode, diazotrophic bacteria makes your nitrogen usable. Free the nitrogen! Thank you for listening to this episode of Rootbound. I'm the host of the podcast, and my name is Steve, and Rootbound is the podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. And each week, I invite a guest who joins me on the show to share with us all about a plant that means something to them, and then I share about a plant that means something to me. And through this process, we can all learn more about plants and learn more about each other. Now, today is another one of those special episodes where we're only going to be talking about one plant. But before we get to that... I want to talk about the difference between hardwood and softwood. Now, I don't think the word hardwood comes up in this episode, but we are talking about a tree that is a hardwood, and that had me thinking about the difference of a hardwood versus a softwood. And I remember it being more complicated than just what seems obvious, you know, hardwoods are hard, softwoods are soft. But I wanted to dig into it and understand a little bit better, and I thought I would share that with you. Now, generally, hardwoods are harder than softwoods. Now, they're both wood. They're, like, not super soft. <laughs> you know, There's not many woods that you would want to get, like, hit with because they're not, like, a, a, like a foam bat or something. Uh, they're, they're quite hard. But, but hardwoods in general are harder than softwoods, but not in every case. For example, balsa is considered a hardwood. And yew, uh, that's Y-E-W, uh, in some cases is quite hard, even though it is a softwood. And so the difference actually has more to do with what kind of plant they are. Uh, So the hardwoods are angiosperms, and the softwoods are gymnosperms. And there's a few other characteristics that that go with that, but let's just define those two terms first. So angiosperms means um, that the seed is enclosed, normally in a fruit or a nut, and the gymnosperms means that the seed is open, uh, generally how the seeds are seen in pine cones, they're open to the air. They're not surrounded by like a fleshy or, or meaty material like a nut. And so that's kind of the main difference between the two. Like it has to do with their seeds. But also, and I'm not quite sure why they're related, but the angiosperms have a different cellular structure of the wood. And that cellular structure tends to t- have tighter grain. Um, and they tend to grow slower because of that tight, and, and which leads to that tighter grain. Whereas the... Uh, Softwoods, which are gymnosperms, have a looser cellular structure. They grow faster, which tends to have that softer characteristics. There is a few more differences between the two, but that's generally the rule. Uh, I think in general, uh, hardwoods are deciduous and broadleafed, and the softwoods are evergreen and have uh, needles. But there's actually some exceptions to that. There's actually several evergreen trees that are actually hardwoods and you know, so that's just general rules, but it really comes down to actually uh, the angiosperm versus the gymnosperm. Really, that is the main dividing line, and I think uh, it's easier to say hardwood versus softwood instead of saying uh, uh, angiosperm and gymnosperm. At least that's what I assume. Maybe it's kind of easier in a woodworking context to talk about hardwood versus softwood. So anyway, that's the definition of those two things. It's clarified for me in my mind now, so thank you for letting me explain that to you. Every time I do that, it helps me understand something better. So uh, one of the reasons I started this podcast, so thank you for uh, 
for learning along with me. And with that, let's meet our guest. So, what do you think? I know you spent a lot of money on this place, Fry, but it's awfully primitive. The floors are made of such hard wood. Hi, Lynn. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Rootbound. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being here. Thank you. You're very welcome. Do you have a plant to share with us today? Yes, I do. The plant that I'm going to share with you, and it felt like a little bit of a cheat, um, because I know that trees are plants, so it's totally legitimate. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. But um, part of me forgets sometimes that that's what they are, because they (laughs) seem so completely other sometimes. Um, So the plant that I'm going to share with you is the birch tree, because that's my absolute favorite. Wonderful. Okay, I'm going to do something a little bit weird right now. I'm going to play a... Sorry, I hit the wrong button. I'm going to play a... I'm going to play a weird sound effect. Um, And that sound effect means that this is a special episode and we're only going to talk about one plant today, not two, because I also am going to talk about birch. Because I realized when you mentioned to me that, oh, so that is a plant that's also meaningful to me in a very specific way. So I'm going to let you take the lead here and talk most about it. I don't actually have a ton of, like, research about it, but I have a few things that are pretty relevant to why birch is also meaningful to me. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, cool. I feel very honored that I got the sound effect. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, um, it, it's fun. I had to like, I don't know if you can see, I had like weird wires and stuff on this device I have because the battery died and I had to like reconfigure it to run off of USB. It's like totally hacked together, but it like died today. It's like, oh no, I have to play the sound effect. So I'll just, since I did that, I'm going to do that one more time. Um, Lynn can see all the weird wires I have. <laughs> there we go. Special episode. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, So the birch tree is the plant that I want to share with you. Um, It's when you got in touch and you said a special plant. I immediately went to that one. Um, My granddad, and I don't know if many of your podcasts are like this, but my granddad was a beekeeper. And I am was... also a beekeeper, by the way. Are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, so I'm really excited about this. Oh, <laughs> I don't know where cool. this is. I don't know how this is connected to birch. Actually, <laughs> I'm excited, but yes. So, um, my granddad was one of one of the best beekeepers in the northeast of Scotland. Um, his name was Bill Dryden. He was an absolute legend, and he would. He had a big yellow van that looked like a giant bee to me when I was a kid. It wasn't stripy <laughs> or anything, but it just felt really um, it felt really appropriate. That it was a big yellow van. And he would put his beehives in the back of the vans and he would take his beehives up to the glens in Angus, which is the region of Scotland that I live in. Um, and he would take out the beehives and put them in the glens. So he would have specific heather honey, clover honey. So he was really particular about wow. the, the positioning of his beehives. Um, and when he did that, he would plant birch trees wherever he went, um, Whoa. which is so cool. Like yeah. he, he genuinely was my first sort of lesson in natural abundance. And I didn't even know that that was, you know, that was what was happening when I was a kid. Mm. He always said, you know, Lynn, if you want to make friends, give them a plant cutting or a little tree and you'll have a friend for life. Oh and it's gosh. true. I use this. Like when I went to my new job, I like I gave out some plants to people to like, you know, just spread the vibe. <laughs> so my granddad would go around the northeast of Scotland planting birch trees and the city that I live adjacent to now, I'm not in the city anymore, but the city that I live adjacent to, Dundee, and that's where he lived. And he planted birch trees that are still that are still around. You know, he's not anymore, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but he planted birch trees that were still around. So I remember being, I was maybe about seven or eight, and I was asking him, like, Grandad, what's your favourite tree? 
And he said, birch trees, I plant them everywhere. And then he told me about what he did when he went out with his bees and that he planted trees near the old railway line near Dundee. And that really stuck with me. And I tuned into birch trees from that point. Um, silver birch in particular, because of mm -hmm. that really beautiful papery um, bark that they have. I, I think they're beautiful. There's something really, I think the word haunting is the only one I've got at the moment, mm. but that seems a little mm -hmm. bit dramatic. No, no, I, I totally get it. <laughs> oh, amazing. Good. Um, well, yeah. no, there's, there's something quite haunting about a birch tree, the way it droops, um, the beautiful way that the leaves hang off it, um, and the way that they change from that beautiful, really lime green buds to a silvery back, you know, to the tail end of summer, like they get that richer, deeper green with the silver running through it and the leaves. And then they just turn it seems on a dime to this incredible, vibrant, sunshine yellow in that kind of last show of autumn. I just think they are gorgeous. And then in the winter, they're just these beautiful branches just hanging. And there's nothing more gorgeous, I think, than a foggy morning. Where I live, um, it's on the coast, the east coast of Scotland, and we get a lot of har. I don't know if that means anything to you. I don't know um, what that word means. Okay, so har is like sea fog. It's the fog that comes in off the sea. Ah, um, how do you, you spell that? H-A-A-R. Okay, cool. Um, I will be dropping in quite a lot of Scots words into this. I hope I'm you're... so excited for that. That's really <laughs> I exciting. I, that. I, yeah, I, I, I love that. I also, I do have like some Scottish Scottish heritage. Uh, so like, I'm very interested in that. I, I have, yeah, I've been to Scotland a couple of times, haven't explored Ooh. as much, but I am really fascinated in like uh, all the vocabulary. It's really, really interesting to me. Cool. Well, strap in. I will, I will dish out some for you. Wonderful. <laughs> as we chat, so we get a lot of har here. Um, so sea fog it rolls in off the North Sea, and it can be a beautiful sunny day, like two miles inland, but you're at the coast, and it's just it's grey, it's dim, it's dismal. But when it starts to lift and it condenses on birch trees in the winter time, you just get wow. these beautiful globules of just yeah condensed air on the branches and it just sparkles and I think it's beautiful just their shape. So birch trees, yeah, I think they have a beautiful aesthetic um, and they've also got a couple of really interesting uses that I want to talk to you about as well. Awesome, so, I'm excited about that because I know, I know, well, mm -hmm. I know maybe a few, but before we get into that, I have some questions particularly maybe about your, your grandfather and also mm -hmm. some other stuff that's just coming into my head about maybe Scotland and birch trees. Um, but also maybe for the audience who, who's never seen birch, one thing I think is particularly stunning about them is the, is they're like almost white, the the bark, right? At least yeah. the ones you're talking, not all of them, I guess. There's a lot of birch, but the silver birch, it has this very particular look, like you can spot it from a mile away because it's got this really light colored bark. Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. And you can see them through, so they also grow in pine, um, pine plantations. Mm -hmm. We've got... Um, forestry commission land here in Scotland which is really regimented pine plantations mm -hmm. and birch trees are one of the only trees that can grow there the soil is quite sterile uh -huh. and there's not an awful lot going on in the soil nutrition wise but birches can grow between the pines and you just you catch glimpses of this really ghostly um yeah the ghostly color of the trunk is really cool if you're walking past a pine forest yeah they're stunning yeah so cool so okay about your grandfather um uh have you seen any of the trees he's planted? I've been like, oh, those are the ones he planted? Yeah, yeah. Every time we drive past the old railway line at Lochy, which is a suburb of Dundee, um, my mum points them out. Oh, um, so cool. So yeah, it's like, yeah. It's... And how big are they now? 
they're really they're really tall it's amazing um they're adult birch tree sized is wow. probably the best way to put it uh-huh, uh-huh. there's not a lot of natural competition because birch trees will get super tall um mm-hmm. if they are forced to um but they're a decent size of birch tree and a good girth of trunk and it's just really nice to see them every time you go past and that's really cool do you know why he decided to plant birch trees they'll grow anywhere and he thought they were beautiful um, wow he really liked them and so yeah but also super lucky because they are really really hardy they look super delicate i think just with the mm-hmm. the way that they they're formed but yeah they grow anywhere so i think he thought this is an easy way to to start and do some gorilla tree planting he was ahead of his time was totally. yeah <laughs> totally that's so cool and so the other thing i'm thinking about now you know one of one of the things that i i know a little bit about scotland and, and generally like the british islands in general and and we have a kind of a similar thing in the united states but it's a little bit quite a bit younger but it's this you know a lot of the trees in the british isles were cut down centuries and centuries ago and there's areas in 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 part of scotland that that were forest that have not been forest for a very long time yeah and i think it's really amazing for someone to make this kind of decision to like help at least in some little way change that right uh, that's so so cool it's super cool um yeah i don't think he wasn't thinking about reforesting i think he was just like this is a nice thing to do. Like yeah. it's just keeping nature going, giving it, yeah. giving back. Um, yeah, he had a very, I would love to have a conversation with him now, the person mm-hmm. that I am now, because of, I, he died when I was a lot younger. Um, but yeah, I'd love to have a chat with him now about abundance and understanding cycles of nature and rewilding and all of that good stuff. I think he'd be really yeah. into it. <laughs> really, really fascinating. And there was that old adage that you know the the uh, you know the great men plant trees whose shade they will never rest in. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I need to plant more trees. I I've planted a few in my yard, but I, I, I yeah, I gotta I gotta plant some trees. Yeah, yeah. It's a good thing to do. It is a good yeah. thing to do. I also haven't done that. I but I do have silver butcher birches in my garden. Um, as a happy coincidence. So yeah. So cool. Um, okay, I think I think for now that covers the questions I have about your your grandfather's practice. But yeah, it's so cool! What a cool thing to do when beekeeping. And oh man, I I just love that whole uh, hit. We don't well that whole history in Europe of of beekeepers who move their bees around to get f- specifically for honey. We don't really have that as much in the U.S. We have this big commercial operation where beekeepers basically sell pollination services, oh, and cool. the honey is kind of like an afterthought a little bit. And it's much more industrial. They move like, I mean, it's a ridiculous, it's like, it's, it's like the corporatization of this European tradition. And it's very strange. So I really love hearing about those traditions in Europe because they're also, I haven't heard about this in Scotland before, but they're also very particular to areas. But every kind of European culture kind of has their own version of that, which is super, super cool. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's, that's amazing. That's really cool to hear. Yeah. Have you? This is a total aside and a bit of a yeah, rabbit hole. I love, I, you, I love rabbit holes and tangents. <laughs> so please continue. Have you heard about the tradition of telling the bees? So when a beekeeper dies, uh, someone has to go and and let the bees know that they're now going to be living with with someone else. And it's just a. I don't know where that came from. I'm sure it's easily Googleable, but yeah, I think it's a really, it's a little bit morbid and quite beautiful for it. And I'm, I'm into that sort of thing. So yeah, another interesting little bee tradition. That is, yeah, I had heard of that before, and I think that's a really, really cool tradition. Do you know if anyone told the bees about your grandfather when he they passed did. away? Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, that's so cool, man. Um, What's happened? 
Um, sorry, one second. I'm just sending. I'm gonna cut this part out. I'm just trying to. My 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 child is 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 crying a little bit in the other room. Aww, how old's your kid? <clears throat> she is seven months. Oh, congratulations! How are Thank you finding it? Thank you so it? much. Really, really good. I, I uh, well, maybe I won't cut this out because because we're talking about it. I was, I was listening to your podcast, and you, you have a, you have a kid too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and uh, and you mentioned this thing about how like trying to, to like find time to go out into nature, uh, in this case, mushroom forays, um, and then thinking about trying to get childcare, and thinking, wait a minute, no, I should just take my kid with me. Yeah, and I, that really stuck with me. I got to think about that more as well. Oh, cool. Oh, I'm really glad because yeah. I, yeah, I I made a really glib comment about, oh, I need to get childcare to do this thing. And I was like, no, Lynn, take him with you. And it might be a nightmare, but it might also be brilliant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's the gamble that you take as a parent, isn't it? <laughs> like, yeah, it's really good. Also, I, I, you use the phrase, which I think is very Scottish, but it's super charming to American. You called him your wee boy, which I just, I love <laughs> that. I love that. It's just, I was like, oh, I got to take my wee girl out, yeah. outside. It's a great, it's a great term. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, totally. Calm. I forget. Like I, yeah, I forget that to people outside Scotland, the way I speak and the things that I say can be quite exotic sounding. Yeah, yeah, it's um, good. So, yeah, so audience, if you hear the baby in the background, she's she's fussing a little bit. Uh, so apologies for that, but you know that's the that's the world we live in. Oh, yeah, it's the reality. Of it's, it. Yeah, it's great. Um, okay, uh, let's get to some fun facts and dazzling details about birch. You're going to talk mm. about uses or anything else you want to share about that. Cool, thank you. So one thing that I am really into and that I do um, as part of my kind of creative practice is I perform Scots folk music and poetry and do shows based around different themes from the Scots tradition. So birch trees feature, I'm not going to say heavily because that's that's quite, that's quite a statement, um, okay, but sure. there's a few of my favourite poems that feature birch trees and um, are specifically about birch plantations and birch woods. And I just wondered, can I share some wow. of those with you? Oh, yes, please. Um, That's awesome. Amazing. Wow. So the first one is, have you heard of Robert Burns? Can oh, yes. Google? Yeah, cool. He's um, the guy. He's the Scottish poet. Yeah, he He's is the, the Scottish guy. poet. Yeah. Yes, he yeah. is. Um, I love him. I'm an absolute Burns maniac. I think he's amazing. And he wrote a song called The Burks of Aberfeldy. Now, Aberfeldy is a gorgeous little village, well, town slash village um, in Perthshire, which is in the central, central part of Scotland. Um, and it's an absolutely stunning poem. And I just wanted to read it for you. I'm not going to sing the song because, to be honest, I don't know the tune by heart. And someone just randomly singing on a podcast can be lovely, but also quite alarming. So I'm not going to do <laughs> sure, that to please. you. Um, so this is The Burks of Aberfeldy by Rabbi Burns. Now summer blinks on flowery braes and hour the crystal streamlets plays. Come let us spend the lichsome days in the Burks of Aberfeldy. The little birdies blithely sing while hour their heads the hazels hang or lichtly flit on wanton wing in the Burks of Aberfeldy. The braes ascend like lofty was, the foamy stream deep roaring falls, o'erhung we fragrant spreading shaws, the burks o' Aberfeldy. The hoary cliffs are crowned with flowers, while o'er the linds the burny pours, and rising wheats we misty showers, the burks o' Aberfeldy. Let fortune's gifts at random flee, they ne'er shall draw a wish for me. Supremely blessed we love in thee, in the burks o' Aberfeldy. Now, if you haven't guessed, Burks is the Scots word for birch. Uh -huh, so this uh -huh. is a lovely wee poem about spending time by crystal streams, beautiful waterfalls, 
gorgeous hills covered in mosses um, surrounded in the peace of birch trees. And I just think it's such a beautiful ode to, to that particular tree that we have here Wonderful. in Scotland and such a love for it. And um, it's, I, I, the thing that I was, you know, and this is going to tie into what I'm going to talk about a little bit later. And I don't think he was maybe thinking about it in the way we think about it now, but it's like a very lovely conservationist poem almost, right. Of talking about this kind of uh, nature that, um, that has such value and, uh, and, and not everyone recognizes that. That was really amazing. Absolutely is. And there's, um, there's a statue of Burns looking very pensive on a bench at the area where the poem was written. Um, oh, cool. It's really cool. It's well worth a visit. I think we can get a little bit cheesy with Burns. I say at times <laughs> a lot. We can get really cheesy with him in Scotland. But there's a, there's a quiet dignity about that statue that I think is better than some of the ones where he's looking very grand holding a book, you know, like the ones in the centre of Edinburgh or Dundee or any city that you might uh -huh. possibly think of that has a Burns statue. Um, the other poem is shorter. I want to share with you. Um, there's a poet called Marion Angus who doesn't get nearly enough press, I think, um, from Scotland. She was around at the start of the 20th century and she's from just up the road from where I live, um, which is lovely to, yeah, it's lovely to have that kind of literary um, reference with yeah. the place that I live. Um, one of my favourite poems by hers is called Trees and it's about birches specifically. And the first two verses aren't relevant to this because it's about villages where you grow up and then looking at the glens and being a little bit misty eyed for them. Um, but the final verse is specifically about birches <clears throat> and it's wood of the birches, the pretty fine trees of you, silver and grey, the fine little breeze of you. All the length of the day, there is nothing they say, but what I would hear in the peace of you, in the peace of you. And there's this sentiment in that last sanda about losing yourself in the woods, tuning into the silence and realizing that there's nothing that anyone can say to you that you can't learn from the wisdom of nature. Mm. And that just totally vibes with, um, with my general sort of ethos um, that, around yeah. spending time in nature. Yeah. Very, very well said. That's cool. I'll, I'll definitely put some links to those poems in the show notes because those are really cool and probably people want to reflect on those more. Cool. That'd be lovely. Thank you. Um, so I want to share a little bit of poetry and also just some kind of like fun, esoteric, I say fun, maybe fun if it's your bag. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, people listen to this podcast, if it's about plants, it's fun. Fair. Um, <laughs> yeah. The thing is like, I don't know about you, um, when, with my podcast, like I'm not an expert on mushrooms. Like I just really love them. Mm -hmm. um, that's, and I, that's why I contact you because I'm the same. Like I'm a very beginner on plants, but I think they're super cool. And so I was like, oh, this is like a similar podcast about with mushrooms. And yeah, it's a cool totally. way because yeah, because it's a cool way to talk to people from yeah. Anyway, yeah, continue. <laughs> it's a nice way to learn. Yeah. Um, so my connection with most of this stuff is through. Through aesthetic, because I like the look of something or mm -hmm. I like the symbolism behind it or I do a bit of research. And like with birch trees, I love them um, because they've got a really feminine energy about mm -hmm. them. Um, they look very delicate, but they can survive literally anywhere. Um, they're very tough, but they're gorgeous. They are provide shelter and all those really lovely things. Um, but they're associated in Celtic folklore with the kind of the turn of the year. So 
the lunar the first um month of the lunar calendar is birch and um, she oh, welcomes wow. the year in and i think it runs from i want to say the 24th of december till the 20th of january and my birthday falls in that date and oh, i just cool. wonder you know is there a little bit of like yeah yeah is there wow. a little bit of um is my fondness dictated by when I was born? Probably mm. not, and it's much more the granddad thing, but I like to think that that might That's be something. Cool. Wow. Um, I'm also gonna check up a couple of other facts that I have sitting on my browser. Um, yes, there is. First lunar month of the Celtic tree calendar is the birch tree. And it's also known as the lady of the woods. Um, deep feminine connections is a symbol of rebirth and fertility. It's elegant. Um, which is made known by its delicate, peeling, silvery white bark, which is the mm -hmm. first thing that comes up on Google, which I just think is super cute. Um, but there's one thing about birch trees is their hardiness and their unwelcomeness in those pine forests that I was talking about. So mm -hmm. in Scotland, vast swathes of our land is um, owned by the Forestry Commission. So this is like our commercial tree growing mm -hmm. and cutting mm -hmm. down um, organisation. And my dad, when he was, I think he was 16, he did an apprenticeship with them. And he still refers to birch trees as weeds because they'll huh. grow in those pine plantations um, and they'll get really, really tall. Like they don't shy away from the pine trees competing for light. There's a place that I love to go in May, um, which is a bluebell wood just about, it's about half an hour drive from where I live. And it is absolutely stunning. And before you get to the Bluebell Wood, there's a really big forestry commission plantation, or there was before it starts, they all get cut down as they mm -hmm. were um, harvesting the trees, which is a weird thing to say, and I don't think I like it, but here we are. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a single birch tree that stands just a ridiculous, imagine the height of a really tall pine tree. Mm -hmm. It's that high. So birch trees don't usually get that high, but this thing has absolutely just shot up and done its best to compete for the light. And I just love that it's such a hardy thing. And now it stands on its own. And the last time I was there, it was super windy. Um, and this thing was swaying and bending, never breaking because it's just this outrageously hardy thing. And I think it's just such a gorgeous, um, feels like a metaphor for something very profound, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. That this is also going to come out in a little bit, but the, the you know the the forestry and the and the timber and uh, harvesting trees is really interesting. We've talked about that in a couple other episodes, um, and it is it is always you know on one hand like it is a nice it's a really great renewable material, but on the other hand, sometimes the way that that tree farming is done and i don't know anything about scotland maybe it's done like better than other places but there's places in the u.s where it's just like entire massive forests are just now these monocultures of of <laughs> pine essentially or fir um and it, it's it's kind of this weird distortion of what a forest really is because mm -hmm. you're not not a forest if you only have one and in this in particular in oregon where, where they grow douglas fir uh, they don't let things like birch grow because they like they like douse the stuff in pesticides that kill all broadleaf plants, and so the only thing that can grow is Douglas fir, which is pretty, pretty uh, messed up. Yeah. Oh man, what yeah, are we doing? Huge industry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are we doing? I yeah. do know that in Scotland, and this kind of segues a little bit into my next point about birch trees and the fungi that grow next to them because I'm obsessed. Um, there's organizations in Scotland that are looking at how those plantations can actually enrich the soil if you just put mushroom mycelium in and around mm -hmm. the root ball. Mm -hmm. 
So you can actually start to introduce a richer soil culture um, through the plantation as long as you add mycelium to mm -hmm. the root balls of the, the baby pine trees, which, you know, is just, so, it seems like such a simple solution when you start to understand how soil works, but it's something that we just haven't done previously. Um, so yeah, that's really exciting to me. So yeah, it's something that's that we're doing here in Scotland. I don't know if it's a wide practice, but I have spoken to some people that are um, that are involved in that. Very um, fascinating. Yeah, and it's cool stuff. And um, but on to birch trees and their fungi, if that's okay. Yes, please. Yeah. Cool. So um, as well as my favorite uh, birch tree, my favorite plant, which is birch trees, my favorite mushroom is fly agaric, which is Amanita muscaria. It's your typical fairy tale toadstool, bright red mm -hmm. cap, white spots on it, little frill um, around the stem. Absolutely love them. And they have a mycorrhizal relationship. They exist in and around pine and birch trees. So where you find birch, you can also find amanitas. Um, and what I love, well, amanita muscaria. And what I absolutely love about that is just the colour juxtaposition between the red and the silver. I just yeah. think it's absolutely stunning. That um, is, yeah, I can imagine. I've never, I've seen a couple of the Amanita muscaria in the wild, but never around birch, mostly around uh, spruce, I think. Uh, yeah, 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 they yeah. do the same with that. It's uh, very cool. Yeah, they're cool looking mushrooms. They don't really have anything quite like that over here. We, that's a very European mushroom. That's There's a lot of European mushrooms that have an equivalent or even sometimes a very similar cousin over here. Oh, okay. But the fly agaric, I think, is one that... Um, that we don't really have something exactly like that with those spots. It's kind oh. of like, it's very much like a, like a European fairy tale forest thing that we don't really get to see here much. It totally Maybe I'm is. wrong about that. Mushroom people, feel free to correct me, but I, I haven't seen anything like that. We have other cool, we have some other red mushrooms and some other stuff like that, but the ones with the, the polka dots like that um, are, are uh, yeah, I don't think we have anything quite like that. They're super cool and they are starting to, they're starting to spread. So they're starting to actually pop up in Australia now as well, which is oh, really wow. interesting because they're not, Wow, that's not where they're from. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Wow. And yeah, that could be potentially problematic, but mm -hmm. we don't know how problematic that will be yet because they might just be bullying out native species that haven't been discovered yet or are really mm -hmm. delicate or hold a balance in the ecosystem. So yeah, there's some interesting fungal, um, footprints happening along across the world right now um, i forget i forget the the difference in this vocabulary and you probably know this but but the amanita is one of the mushrooms that is a more symbiotic and not a decaying mushroom is that right I or do think they so yeah, yes I so they usually have the yeah. yeah i can't yeah i'm not entirely sure about the wording either see there's mushrooms you find on like rotting wood and there's the mushrooms you find coming out of the ground yes they're ground mushrooms they're not rotting Good. wood mushrooms yeah yeah um, cool but anyone listening, please feel free to correct me on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm sure. open to, um, to additional Mushrooms knowledge. are like a whole thing. Oh, man, they're, they're so cool. I mean, you have a po whole podcast about them. I, I highly recommend the audience listen to Scotland on shrooms. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I'm interested in mushrooms too, but I know even less that I feel like I'm not the person to, to talk about it on a podcast. But yeah, they are, they are so fascinating. I mean, wow. They properly are. And birch trees have two other... Um, two other mushrooms that grow on them one is chaga which is such a cool name oh, and i don't know yeah. i don't know the the um the origin of that i should probably look that up um chaga was only i've only really become aware of it in the past year i went on a foraging walk um with a really cool organization up in aberdeenshire and the guy running the foraging walk said oh we're gonna be looking for chaga 
and I was like, I don't, I don't know what that is. What's that? And he's like, oh, it's, it's a fungus that grows on birch trees and it's incredibly good for you. And I was like, okay, cool. And it looks like, um, like a burr on the trunk. Mm. It looks like just a growth. Um, or like a piece of burnt wood and birch trees do sometimes have like these really big sort of cankers like these big growths mm. on them um those can easily be confused for chaga chaga mm. is um tends to grow quite high up it's quite dark it looks like a burnt piece of tree um and it's also yeah incredibly good for you in terms of being anti-inflammatory antiviral like it's really sought after and a really expensive bit of fungus. So if you can get your hands on some chaga then and sell it, then you're making yourself a little bit of money, um, which is cool. But also, yeah, it can take a mm-hmm. long time for a really good piece of chaga to grow. So I always mm-hmm. feel a bit, you know, that, that thing's like 15 years old. You might want to calm down mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're harvesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so chaga, really good for you, grows on birch trees. And also the birch polypore, which is one of those mushrooms that is a decaying mushroom. I'm distracted mm. by your cat. Yeah, that's Cheeto. <laughs> oh, that, there's Cheeto. three of them. I think they're all in here right now, maybe. Um, but that's Cheeto. Oh. He's He really likes to be on my lap when I'm on calls. This is his that's time so to sit cute. on my lap. Yeah. Hi, Cheeto. Hi, Cheeto. Sorry, where was it? Birch polypore. Yeah. Which is a bit more, co- it's more common than Chaga and only grows on birch trees. And it was actually found, and there was an Iceman found, I'm just going to, open my browser Utsi. window. Utsi, the Iceman. Yes, that I guy. I have this in my notes. Ah, cool. So, he was yes. a big fan of birch in a few ways. I don't know if you have all of his birch uh, stuff, but please tell us about the mushroom. I was wondering, I had the I had the scientific name of this mushroom, but I didn't know that one, so I was wondering if we could bring it up. But please, carry on, and then maybe ah, I'm going to cool. chime in with the other birch-related things related to Utsi, the, the Swiss Iceman. Yes, yeah, yeah. So he had birch polypore in his little pouch. Um, he was apparently like, this poor guy seemed quite afflicted by a range of health issues, and um, one of which was some kind of parasitic worm. Um, and the birch polypore was being used, they think, to treat his symptoms. Um, it's an antiviral and it's antiseptic and really just generally quite brilliant for you. Um, and it's just this really common fungus that grows on birch trees and you see them all the time. And there's just this medicine growing out of birch trees that we just don't necessarily ever really engage with. Um, because of the you know the society the culture that we live in yeah. now it yeah. just doesn't quite lend itself to that um so yeah that's super fascinating yeah so yeah uh, see the iceman that's one of the things that came up when i was talking about birch and i remembered um and i didn't know about the mushroom part i just literally found that out today when i was re-looking up him for another birch related thing and so just to remind the audience i talked about this back in episode eight when we were talking about edelweiss and creosote and somehow Utsi came up from my guest and uh, Utsi, it's a very Swiss word. He was found in Switzerland, I think at the in like a glacier, like a glacier mm-hmm. melted and he like popped up and it was a very well-preserved like Stone Age or Bronze Age or something like that guy. Um, I forget how old, 5,300 year old mummy, essentially. He was very well-preserved and he had all of his stuff on him, which was like a really cool insight into how people lived in. And one of the things he had this this satchel with the mushrooms. Um, the, another birch thing that he had with him was two birch baskets, which, um, I don't know if you have anything about, in your notes about, about how birch is used, but like the, the bark or like peeling off the, the thin layers, you can make really fine baskets or other things like that, which is cool. And I didn't realize that. That's so, I did not realize that either. This is brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So he had two That's birch so cool. baskets with him. And then the one thing I remember and the reason I Googled him to talk about today is that he had an ax with him. And the axe had an ash handle, 
and then the 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 blade was attached with leather, but then it was covered over with birch tar. And uh, there's a process, and if you if audience go back and listen to episode eight, my um the, my guest uh, Christian, uh, who actually does the music for the show, he was talking about how his dad had read about that. And so then they decided to make some birch tar. And essentially, you take a bunch of the, the papery um, papery bark and you stack it in some kind of enclosed, they did it in a coffee can, some kind of enclosed container, and you just stick it in the fire and you burn it for a really long time in the lack of oxygen where you got to be enclosed. And it turns into this super, super sticky, it's like, it's like Stone Age epoxy. And so he wraps he wrapped his uh, axe really tight with a leather and then smeared this tar all over it and it made it into this very solid thing, which is pretty cool. So cool a cool other property of, of birch is that you can make this like very, very sticky stuff with it. That's so awesome. But I think it dries very hard too, I think. That's really cool. That's he was doing the most he possibly could with birch trees, right? Like yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, I didn't realize like when I googled him that he had he had three birch related things on him, including including a mushroom, which was super cool. So yeah, I was wondering that's if you're going to bring up that one. I that one was as common as well. But I guess yeah, I guess the scientific name for that one is Fomitopsis betulina. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that's really I, cool. Thank I'm you. I'm really into the. Um, the, the nomenclature stuff if the audience the audience will know sometimes I go too deep on that um before I get into some of my other fun facts do you what what else do you have to share I, you mentioned if there's any I don't know if there's any other uses you have or any other fun facts or dazzling details you want to share about birch yeah so my day job um is in economic development so I work well half historically this is very dull <laughs> but it's not it's great I have historically worked with businesses and kind of helping them figure out their value proposition and what their mission is and look at their target markets and all that sort of stuff like I, I can get quite geeky about that sort of thing as well and one of the businesses that I worked with and it was starting to become a much more common trend um, is birch water so putting a spile into birch tree and then essentially using it as a tap and then draining the tree of birch water and just the health properties of that um, is amazing but what I'm finding really interesting um, and what I'm kind of looking to explore on my own podcast as well is the economy that's now springing up in and around health and well-being and how we're reconnecting mm -hmm. with kind of traditional methods of just getting good stuff out of plants and there is a trend now for birch water here in Scotland, um, the people that I was working with was based in Perthshire, so like just you know, near the Burks of Aberfeldy that Rabbi Burns had written about, um, and I find that a really interesting thing that's happening now. This economy that's surging around well-being and ecology and how we exist with plants, um, and then packaging it and selling it to us. I think that's a really interesting thing that we're doing. Um, because what's stopping me from just getting a spile and just go into a birch tree and, mm -hmm. and having a go, you know? And it's, mm -hmm. Yeah. So brilliant thing that they do. And it's interesting how we're commercializing it. And no shade to any of those companies. Like, I think it's brilliant that awareness is being raised. But then there's something about this is knowledge that we have that we could just be maybe using for free. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there, it's a complicated thing for sure. Um, you know, they're... they're there is definitely like um, markets are fine. Utsi the caveman was probably buying and selling stuff from people. That's something that humans yeah. do, right? Yeah. Um, 
But but I think in modern times we have this like tendency to sometimes go way too far. So I'm a, the example I gave with the with the spruce in, uh, I mean the 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 fir trees in Oregon, right? It's just just I mean it's this massive industry now, and it's completely just completely changed a whole entire part of the country to be this like economic machine instead of what it was. So the balance is the key, and I think. I think we've been pretty bad as humans as balance for the last hundred years or so. Yeah, and, and longer. I think longer than that. Maybe yeah. for yeah, maybe <laughs> two hundred or so. Maybe we can start f- figuring that out. And and I think some of that is is, you know, finding these other industries that aren't just the, you know, the. I mean, and and maybe this will get into some of my facts here. But you know, one of the things that people do with birch mostly is just use it for timber, which is fine. But but you can also finding the balance there so having a renewable resource from birch like the water is really interesting to me i bought i was in alaska which has a lot of birch as well um and i bought some birch syrup which they're making uh syrup the same way you make maple syrup but essentially you take the water and you just boil it down until it's a syrup because there's sugars in the in the that's one of the things that makes the birch water different from just water is it has sugar but it also has other micronutrients and stuff in it um, so I have a little bit of birch syrup. It's uh, quite expensive because the boil down is 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 very intense. So you know, where there's there any maple, there are some European maples, but are there any maples in Scotland? That, we don't. It's about? not something. Yeah, I, I'm sure there are some, but I don't. There's nothing really that springs to mind. I'm like, oh well, yes, there's a maple plantation yeah. here or there. Yeah. This continent is very lucky to have maples and maples are super cool specifically the sugar maple which has the highest i think sugar content of like any tree and so when you tap a maple tree and you want to make syrup you don't have to boil off near as much water and birch i think is like way 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 higher but there are some people in alaska making birch syrup which is pretty cool um so like Mm. really you know thinking that but the water thing is cool like i've been drinking the maple i have a maple tree in my backyard that i've i've made syrup and i also but i one of my favorite things is just to drink the water or to make coffee with the water which is pretty cool nice um or tea um but the but you could use birch birch water like that too so that's cool and i think i've actually picked up someone was importing birch water i think it was from from eastern europe i I bought a box like boxed water but it was like birch water from from europe somewhere a while ago anyway i'm kind of rambling uh, but that's that is super interesting. I yeah, that that's becoming a thing. Can you buy that in a store in Scotland? Yeah, yeah, water? yeah, yeah. So cool. It's becoming much more prevalent. It's sort of like little farm shops and things. You know, like yeah. cool little boutique little shops. But yeah, it's not out in the supermarkets yet. But um, yeah, it it is around, and I just think that's really it's brilliant and it's quite a fascinating thing. Yeah, uh, people well. are selling some maple water like that here too, and I've heard people say that it's like it's uh, you know all of us who live up in these more northern countries are like importing all this coconut water but the the birch water or the maple water is kind of the same it has the same properties it's it's really great for hydration it's got some good micronutrients and stuff so maybe it's a, a better way to do than shipping coconut water all around the world yes for sure yeah um so let me let me share a couple things with you I'm going to try to think of how I piece this together. Let me just get a couple of just basic stuff that I always like to, like to talk about out of the way. Um, and then I'll get into the kind of the like last part, which maybe is a little bit of a bummer, but, 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 uh, <laughs> but, but let's, let's see how it goes. Um, one thing I want to mention about birch for people who don't know about it, birch is really interesting uh, in that it is a genus of trees. So there's multiple, many, many birch species in the genus. Uh, Batula is the genus. Um, and it is very widespread. If you look at the distribution of birch trees, it essentially is like the whole upper part of the planet. Like every mm-hmm. single, like 
from around where I am in Virginia, um, north, and then basically a band around the whole world, there are birch trees growing in all of the temperate and boreal forests around the world. So very widely distributed, uh, which I think is very fascinating. So it's kind of cool that you can be talking about birch, but I also have birch here, and uh, they're pretty similar, you know, in the same genus, and and, and, and the same thing is true, um, you know, uh, all, all over this area. So it's very, very, a very, when talking about the hardiness, it's so hardy, it, it can really grow in a very, very wide area. So I, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. It's really cool. Yeah. And yeah, hardy as anything. Yeah, they're brilliant. And then that name Batula, the genus name, uh, apparently comes from the Gaulish word. So those are the Gauls, you know, the proto-French uh, civilization. Yeah. Uh, and the word Betu means bitumen or asphalt. And that's a reference to the tar that was used to make it. So that that uh, scientific oh. name is related to that use of making tar from it, which is pretty cool. That's so cool. Oh, I love that. I yeah. love that. Thank you for that fact. So those are like the main like facts I have, but now as far as like the main reason why it's meaningful to me, I, I remembered Birch because I, was, I remembered my friend telling me the story, but let's see. But my main reason uh, about Birch, uh, so in my day job, I work in communications for an environmental nonprofit. And nice. that often leads to learning lots of interesting things, but also often leads to learning, <laughs> like you learn a lot, a lot of things that are bummers when you're in environmental, right? Things yeah. that are like, um, not great. And, and um, uh, one of the things that I learned about recently is the organization I work for put out this report that was about, uh, the title was How Russian Conflict Birch, Birch Makes Its Way to American Consumers. And, oh. uh, and uh, you know, I, I don't talk about current events much on this podcast, um, but, you know, we are in a situation now where there's this war in Europe between, you know, where Russia invaded Ukraine. And, uh, and one of the ways that one of the biggest industries in Russia is timber. Mm. And they sell their timber all around the world. And now there's this situation where, uh, you know, people who are not supportive of, of that country don't necessarily want to buy things from that country. But birch, in particular birch plywood, had this very sneaky workaround where particularly in the U.S., I think it was still happening in Europe too, and Europe has a little bit, well, I think had a little bit better control of it, but I think there were still things uh, happening. But um, birch plywood, particularly birch plywood, um, was being harvested, and I think still is, harvested in Russia, and then um, sold to China, because they have a very big border with China. Yeah. And then further on, and I forget which process, whether it's being peeled into veneer or what process is happening, but then ultimately the birch plywood is being made in Vietnam and then imported into the United States. And by that time, its origin is being Russian is completely lost. You're like, where is this plywood from? It's from Vietnam. There's no birch in Vietnam. (laughs) That's too far south. Birch is very widespread, but there's no Vietnamese birch. And so... Um, it's this really just interesting thing of, of our modern world um, about n- buying things and not really understanding w- the full supply chain and how, what impact that is having. Mm-hmm. And so when I, we just recently did a little remodel in our house, remodel a bathroom, and when um, they were telling us what, they were going to make a custom vanity, and, and one of the options was birch, and I was like, wait... <laughs> where is the birch from and at first the first vendor they had which was cheaper couldn't tell me okay 
the second vendor was able to tell me that it was from the United States. Right? And so the price of that knowledge is 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 are you inadvertently funding this war or not, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting. So, you know, not everyone is in position to choose the more expensive thing, right? That's like yeah. a privilege I have to be able to choose that. But but I did. Um, but I, th- I think it was a really excellent example of, of kind of like the complicated nature of like international commerce and where this tree birch, um, you know, it can can end up like becoming this complicated symbol of, of, of things going on in the world. So anyway, I was thinking a lot about that birch, particularly because I have this birch in my, in this vanity. In, yeah. You know, yeah. So that's, that's what I wanted to share and why it was meaningful to me. Cause it really was just like, I, I like this report had just come out. I just learned about it. And they were like, they were offering me this birch. I was like, wait, no, tell me, <laughs> tell me what it is. And they're like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Um, that's it's such a shame that they couldn't tell you where yeah. it came from there's a concept um around ent- entangled value um that i find really interesting so my previous job was economic development and i work in design and using design as a tool for economic development it's all a bit random anyway but one of the the main conferences around design for planet spoke about entangled value and how a thing that arrives at your home, whether it's a component for something that you're building or whether it's like this Sharpie that I'm holding and playing with right now, like there is a series of, like you've got your carbon footprint, you've got your how ethical things are. And in terms of our consumption, like it's almost impossible to disentangle Mm -hmm. all of those values. And I think it's really interesting that you've brought that up and that that's a that's a supply chain thing. Like that's just being able to say, well, it was here, it was here, it was here, and it originated here. Um, and it's just so much harder for us as mm-hmm. a society to be able to actually make good choices. Not only because you know economically it might not be viable, but like you say, you're in a privileged position where that's something you could do. And I would be in the same position as well. Um, mm-hmm. But also just disentangling that knowledge is just incredible. And the fact that I can say I'm going to come on a podcast and talk about birch trees, and that that can come up is just a really interesting indicator of where mm-hmm. we're at globally, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. That's brilliant. And I hope Very- the vanity is beautiful. Birch ply is gorgeous. It is really nice. And this is actually mostly solid birch, which is also cool. It also made it a little more expensive, which uh, it's, it's, it's painted, but it's, it's very, it's very nice. Um, uh, yeah. And I'm yeah, very happy with it. I'm glad I could find something that was more locally, um, locally sourced that there, there's one little thing here, you know, this, this is interesting. This, this birch plywood is a complicated supply chain from Russia to China to Vietnam, to the United States, but it's actually pretty simple compared to other things. When you talk about the Sharpie and you think about the materials in that Sharpie, like where do those all come oh, from? Yeah. Very, very complicated. But with something like wood, we do have a little bit of power there as consumers of just asking the question in general, there's, people don't think about where wood comes from when you buy a wooden product a lot of people don't even just think about the question of like wait where did that tree grow mm-hmm. um and uh it's something now that i you know, have that knowledge is something that i think about every time i consider buying a wood product and sometimes you can't get to the bottom of it and sometimes you need that product and so you just got to do it yeah but if you can make a better choice and just starting with the knowledge of where it's from sometimes where it's from is is far away and that can be okay but but when the companies aren't telling you where it's from, that's a sign of that there probably is something going on. Yeah. Um, 
And so that's that's what I try to do now. So that, you know, uh, audience, I feel like that's a good tool for you to have. Particularly, you know, wood is good because there's like a the supply chains are often shorter, right? Because you can mm-hmm. see that it's wood. It's not some. It's not completely modified and stuff like that. So a good place to start in like making those choices about positive impacts in, in how you buy things anyway. I could rant on the bat of that for a very long time, but uh, it's, yeah, very interesting stuff. Absolutely. Is. And yeah, just birch trees and that being the conversation, who knew? Except, yeah, it's 2023. It all kind of comes back to that sort of thing, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, well, yes, that that um, that uh, broke one of my unspoken rules that I, I, tell all my, I tell all my guests, but I haven't really mentioned in the podcast that I really try to avoid current events but uh, because in this case you're talking about Birch, I, I feel like I had to bring it up. And it is, you know, it is uh, it is a very terrible situation happening over there. And any any way we can think to be more cognizant of it, and yeah, the, the Birch Birch plays that role. Um, and and uh, so yeah, very very fascinating. Yeah, absolutely is. I had no idea, so thank you for that. Yeah, I look look out too. I think I think you're I think you're luckier in Europe. Europe's got a little bit better consumer laws in the United States. Um, and I think well, UK yeah. doesn't quite. UK is doing its own thing, right? Of course, and that is <laughs> I forgot about depressing. That. Uh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, um, so, but yeah, just be on. You know, there is a lot of birch plywood out there. There's also a lot of solid birch. Um, if it, a lot of it is made in Vietnam, and if it's made in Vietnam, it's probably from Russia. I have actually before we go, I just have a couple quotes from that from that publication, which I'll link in the show notes. Mm. Um, FSC and PFC, which are two organizations that um, that uh, uh, certify sustainable timber, and they both have some problems that is too complicated for this podcast. But they're they're better than nothing. Um, they have both declared timber coming from Russia as conflict timber. And right. so it can't be considered sustainable if it's coming from Russia right now, even if it is like harvested sustainably because it's coming from an area where it could be funding uh, funding that. Um, mm. uh, in 2020, so pre the war, um, birch plywood accounted for more than 70% of U.S.'s timber imports from Russia. So a Why? big piece of like what we were buying from Russia timber-wise was this birch plywood. And then in March and April of 2022... U.S. imports from Vietnam surged by more than 200%. So essentially, around that time, the mm. Russian trade went down, but magically this Vietnam trade went up and is essentially just a laundering of, of that birch plywood. So um, yeah, that that's a really fascinating thing is how you can just see it in the trade data, how this this um, this workaround to get, th- to get through importing this product. That's amazing. And you're right, it is a bummer. <laughs> sorry, sorry to end on that. Do you, do you, you don't have any other poems written down or anything else? To end on a lighter I, note. I really don't. I think we might just need to let that one sit. Okay. Like that's that's quite a powerful message for the birch tree to put out there. You know. Yeah, it's okay to sit with these things. It is okay. Like, I think we have to. Like, yeah, not to sound too nihilistic, but this might be life now. So, <laughs> yeah. No summer blinks on flowery breeze. And all the crystal streamlets please Come, let us spend the lightsome days In the brooks of our Bonnie lassie, will ye go, will ye go, will ye go
lassie, will ye go to the brooks over Feldy? The little birdies blithely sing, while other heats the hazels hang, or lightly flit on wanton wing in the brooks over Feldy. The braes ascend like lofty walls, the foamy stream deep roaring falls, our hung with fragrance spread in shores, the burk so abafeldy. Bonny lassie, will ye go, will ye go, will ye go? Bonny lassie, will ye go? The burk so abarfeldy, the hoary cliffs are crowned with nose, white o'er the limbs, the burny pores, and the rising wheats with misty shores. The burk so abarfeldy, let fortune's gifts at random flee, they ne'er shall draw a wish for me. Supremely blessed with love and in the burk so abafeldy. Bonny lassie, will ye go, will ye go, will ye go? Bonny lassie, will ye go? To the burk so That was The Burks of Aberfeldy by Robert Burns, as performed by Ronnie Brown of the Corries. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Rootbound. Thanks for listening. My guest on this episode of Rootbound was Lynn Campbell. Lynn is the host of the podcast Scotland on Shrooms. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. There will also be a link in the show notes. If you like Rootbound and want to help support the show, you can visit rootboundpodcast.com slash support to find all the ways you can contribute, including supporting the show on Patreon. Rootbound is hosted by Bonnie Ladd, Steve Ellington. Music by Christian Kriegeskota. Fake ads by David Lani. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. But if you can go outside, come, let us spend the lightsome days in the Burks of Aberfeldy. Diazotrophic bacteria, free the nitrogen!